The Satellite Sisters Word Ride Festival is brought to you by Elizabeth the First Wife, the new novel by Leon Dolan. Celebrate the release of this romantic comedy by entering the Summer with Shakespeare sweepstakes. Win a weekend in Ashland, Oregon, courtesy of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, the Ashland Springs Hotel, and Prospect Park Books. For more information, go to SatelliteSisters.com. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to go. You are listening to the Satellite Sisters. This is our special edition of the Satellite Sisters Word Write Festival, a series of author interviews we're doing this spring and summer in 2013 to celebrate the release of some great new novels and nonfiction out there. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. I'm joined by my sister Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. And Julie, we have been reading, 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 and we're excited to talk to Caroline Levitt today, aren't we? Well, of course we are, Leanne. She's written a fabulous book called Is This Tomorrow? And it's haunting. That's what the way I describe it, Leanne. Ooh, I, I was going to call it literary thriller. So let's just combine it and say welcome to Caroline Levitt, the author of a haunting literary thriller. Caroline, it, it's great to talk to you. It's wonderful to be on. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. Caroline Levitt is the author of 10 books, including the bestseller, New York Times bestseller, Pictures of You, which was like a boffo bestseller. And she's also a book critic for the Boston Globe and People magazine. And she teaches writing online at UCLA and Stanford University. And Caroline, you've had a lot of books out now. Does it ever get any different releasing a book? Are you nervous? Are you excited? Are you just sort of over the whole process of releasing a new book. How do you feel on number 10? Well, actually, I have a very bizarre publishing history, which will explain why it feels so terrific. Outside of my first novel, my my next eight, my next seven novels were all failures. They barely sold. I got a few reviews, which were great reviews, but I made no money, and nobody knew who I was. Pictures of You was originally contracted to a different publisher, and when I gave it to the publisher. They called me up and my editor said, you know what? We can't publish this. It's just not special enough for us. And I I said, what do you mean it's not special? What can I do? I can make it more special. And she said, no, we don't think you can. And I said, well, do you want to see another book of mine? And she said, no, we don't think that book will be special either. So I thought my career is over. This is my ninth novel. And who's going to want to take me when I've made no money for anybody? Nobody knows who I who I am. So I called all my friends frantically and sobbing. And one of them said, you know, I have this editor at Algonquin who's really great. And she might like it. So why don't you send it over and we'll see what they can do. So I sent it over and she really liked it. And three weeks later, she and Algonquin bought the book. And I call them gods and goddesses because they took that little non-special book and they turned it into a New York Times bestseller. It was a USA Best Times, a USA Today bestseller. It was on all these best of All lists. of it, like every list. Oh, yeah, magazine, was, you name it. It was on it the was, best of list. It was incredible. It was incredible. So I sold, I've actually sold my next two books to them. And it's still this feeling of being a success. Is It's so new to me, even though I've been writing forever, that I've started calling myself the poster girl for second chances. Because I figure if I can have a career after all these failed books, anybody can. Anybody can do it. You know, it's a surprising story, but did you feel like um, your writing was like markedly better? I'm sure you feel like all nine, ten books were really good books. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I did. I did. I don't think I can. I can. I've had five different publishers because a lot of them went out of business. 
not through my fault. And I can honestly say it's the publisher had so much to do with it. I watched them. They just, they're geniuses at marketing. They're wonderful to their writers. Um, everybody loves them. They, they made the book happen. They make careers. Well, that is fantastic. The new book is called Is This Tomorrow? And it's a, it's a child disappearance story, but it's set in the 1950s in a Boston suburb. The main character, one of the main characters, is a divorced mother named Ava, and uh, she's not really accepted by her neighborhood there. And her son becomes best friends with the boy that disappears. And so the book takes us through a couple of decades after, uh, after the disappearance. And I, I'm exhausted because I stayed up last last night to read it. And then I woke up early this morning to finish it. Cause it is like a page turner and I, it must be so exciting to have this book come out. And the whole time I'm reading it, I'm thinking, wow, this must be inspired by a real story. And then I read the author's note and my jaw drops on the floor. Cause it is, it is incredibly inspired by a real story. That's even more bizarre than the great book you wrote. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is actually the true story. Is I, I'm still haunted by it. I, I tried to write about it, and I just couldn't. I grew up in the 60s on the same block that Ava Lark grows up on, and my family was ostracized because we were the only Jewish family there. But there was one family that was that had it worse off than we did. And again, it was a, it was a divorced single mother of two kids and she had a lot of boyfriends and none of our kids were supposed to go over to the house because the house was supposedly dirty. There were all these men coming in and out. But um, the woman's daughter was one of my best friends and we hung out all the time. And one day this girl said she, she was babysitting for this very wealthy dentist in another town over and she said, you know, this dentist is moving away to California and when he goes he's going to adopt me and he's going to take me with, with him. And I said, oh, come on, you have a family. You can't be adopted of your own family. And she said, yes, I can. And sure enough, a few weeks later, she left with this dentist's family, with adoption proceedings starting. And I never heard from her again. And a month after that, the, her mother and her younger brother, they just left the house. They just abandoned the house and they vanished too. And I was, I was just haunted by it. I've tried to find her or anything about her for years and years and years. And I never could. I never could. I guess in a way, I hope maybe she'll read the book and, yeah. you know, get in touch with me. And if she's hearing this now, please do. She was my best friend. She was just wonderful. And she just vanished into a whole other life. That is the most bizarre actual story I have ever heard that you would, the mother like gave away her own teenage daughter to be adopted out. You said you've been working on trying to bring this into novel form for years. What, you know, how did that process go? Like 10 years, I think it said in the book. It is surprising that that wasn't the first book you wrote. But what did you need to sort of figure out before you could bring Is This Tomorrow to life? I had, I think I had to be a little more detached from it because I still, I still don't know how that particular mist, real life mystery ended. So it was sort of hard to write about it. So I needed to fictionalize something else. And that was partly why I put it back in the fifties because I, I needed distance from it. I mean, I still might write that other story someday. I just haven't figured out how to do it. Caroline, I mean, you, Ava, you have, she's in the fifties, she's 1950s is the time frame. You know, and she's ostracized. Do you think, like in 2013, if Ava was in, you know, your same neighborhood, do you think she would still be, you know, people would have so much suspicion around a divorced woman? 
No, not in no. Waltham now is really hip. <laughs> it's changed so, so much. It's, you know, it's a really desirable place to live now because it's so close to Boston and it's Brenda's University. And um, in fact, I, I went recently back to my old neighborhood and there's, you know, there's millions of divorced people. There's gay people. There's a lesbian couple with their kids. It's, it's a lot different. When I lived there in the 60s, um, it was not. It was very working class, and only 10% of my high school went on to college, and the rest went to work in the factories. So it was a totally different environment. Was it hard to put your head back in the 50s? I mean, you have some fantastic, wonderful historical details that really do bring a 1950s suburban neighborhood to life. Even little things like, you know, the good humor flavors and stuff like that really stuck with me as a reader. But was it hard to get into the head of, you know, a, a divorcee from the 50s who got married when she was 19? And there's like a, a fun line in the book where she's like, oh, I thought that was it. I had made it. I was a wife at 19. You know, it's <laughs> just so shocking now when you read that i'm sorry to say that that exact line was what i said during my first marriage okay (laughs) (laughs) that's where that came from no it was actually a blast to go back i did a whole lot of research and i did a lot of research on facebook where i would just put out the word you know did anybody you know was anybody around in the 50s that has stories that might want to talk to me and i got tons of responses and the people were great i found this one guy who was he was one of the first male nurses in the late 50s and he told me the story about how doctors used to always smoke even when they were examining their patients and they would encourage their patients in the hospitals to smoke too because they felt the cigarettes would relax them Oh, that's good. That makes for a nice visit. But everybody's like, right. Yeah, the, the male nurse was an unusual career choice for Lewis. Oh, yeah. yeah. What made you pick that career? Because Lewis was this guy who he would not let anybody in to nurture him. He just wouldn't let anybody in because he felt so guilt ridden. And so I wanted him to be the one who couldn't be nurtured, but who could nurture others. And he had that ability to be a great nurse's aide because he would just sit and listen to people and people felt a connection to him, even though he wasn't really able to let anybody inside. You know, the story ends kind of surprisingly uh, in a good way. You know, that's, that's the thriller piece of it. When you're writing, do you, do you know the ending? Did you know the ending? Are you an outliner or are you just one of those, oh, I'll sit, I've done the research, now I'm just going to sit down on page one and start writing? No, if I had to sit down and just start writing without any outline, I would probably have to shoot myself. I can't do that. No, I always know. I always know the beginning and I always know the end. And then I sort of try to make a rough outline of what's going to happen in between. And it it changes, of course, as I'm writing. But I sort of feel like it's as if if you're in a car and you're driving, you have to sort of know your destination. So I, I knew the destination. Um. You know, I wanted to ask a little bit more about your process because I am um, I am your Facebook friend and I follow you on Twitter, Caroline, <laughs> and you appear to write more than any human being on the planet. And not only that, but you appear to write like you have a fantastic blog called Levittville where you interview authors and review their books. And uh, I saw this year that you were like a finalist in the Sundance Writers Lab for screenwriting and you have like 22 novels in progress at any time. I just, I sit. 
it, and I'm procrastinating by following your Twitter feed, and I'm wondering what's wrong with me. Uh, I mean, how do you? Is it my imagination, or are you writing all the time? No, it's actually it's actually something that's wrong with me. I'm like I'm totally obsessive compulsive. I I have this feeling that. I, I have this feeling that I don't have a lot of time so that anything that I really want to do, I have to do right away and I have to keep projects going, going, going. And I'm not quite sure where that came from. It, it, it might have been um, right after I had my son, I was I was really critically ill for a year and, mm-hmm. you know, nobody thought I would survive. And I did. And after that, I started thinking, well, what is it that I want to do? And the answer was, well, everything. I want to write books. I, you know, why don't I try to write scripts? And you know, why don't I do a blog? And so I just, I'm like the Energizer buddy, Bunny. I, I don't really sleep that much. It doesn't I mean, sound how, like it. How much do you write? I mean, like, what's a typical day for you, Caroline? Um, I get up at quarter seven to talk to my son before he goes off to school and to talk to my husband. And then I get into my office around nine. And then I'm there all day, usually until like, five or six and then I take a break and we have dinner or we go out or whatever. And then when I come back I work another three hours. Okay. So, See now I feel bad. See, okay. That's yeah. your problem. Yeah, You're that is my sleeping. You know, that's <laughs> and then you know what I do after dinner? I sit on the couch and watch Law and Order. So that's another one of my problems. <laughs> well, I do that too. I mean, I will take off days. I mean, sometimes I'll take off whole days and go and just go to the movies or walk around New York City or or whatever. But I I do tend to be sort of a workaholic, and I don't know how healthy that is, but I'm happy, so I guess it's okay. Do you work on multiple projects at a time? Like, are you writing a novel one day and the screenplay the next, or do you sort of need to finish up one before you start on the other? I am working on, mul- on multiple things at the same time. I'm. I'm right now, I'm, I'm promoting this this tomorrow and I'm writing this book, Cruel, Beautiful World, which I, it's coming out from Algonquin in another few years. And, um, I just handed in another script to Sundance to see if I can get in this year, um, which I probably won't be able to, but you never know. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, and you, you also, also teach, teach, which you also I do teach. teach. Yeah. And that's I, interesting to me. You teach an online class. And I, when I was writing my first book, I took an online writing class and I absolutely loved it. And, um, you teach at UCLA and also Stanford. What do you get out of that part of your life? It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's, it's, I always, I love to talk about writing to people and I really like to help writers because I feel like that's a good thing to do. And I tried to teach in a real time class and I was terrible at it because I, <laughs> no, I was, I was awful because you, you had a really, you have to be on all the time when you're in a real time class. And some days I was tired or I was in a bad mood or I wanted to be home working. And I just wasn't working. And so I decided to try online. And it was amazing because you can log on whenever you want. So I was always in a good mood when I logged on. And for some reason, students in an online class are willing to be more intimate about what they're going to share with you. Because exactly. I, maybe it's because you don't see their faces. Right. It's just much more communicative and it's, it's, it's a blast. I love it. I just love it. And a lot of the people have become my friends. And could anyone, like someone listening to this interview, they decide, wow, I want to take, you know, writing class with Caroline Levitt. Could anyone sign up uh, for those classes or is there a prerequisite? Nope. Anybody can sign up. There's some high level courses where um, you have to be approved by me, but that's just because I just want to make sure that 
you know, everybody's pretty much on the same level, but yeah, anybody can sign up. Anybody can sign up. Yeah. I actually liked it. I liked knowing, I found it easier as a novice, uh, you know, fiction writer to share my work with total strangers as opposed to like my friends and family. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I also do for the schools and privately, I I help writers with their manuscripts, which is also a lot of fun because it's like a puzzle. You get to look at this whole manuscript and figure out why isn't it working and how can you fix it and what's working and how can you do more of that? So that that's fun too. Do you bounce your manuscripts off people? I assume you would. You seem like the type that would encourage and and search out feedback. All the time. I I always have about five different readers for any one manuscript. And it's interesting because they always have five dramatically different opinions. But, you know, that's that's okay because that makes you stop and think, well, this one feels right to me and this one, man, that doesn't feel so right. But, um, yeah, it's really important to me. I show everything to everybody. Do you think that's where experience comes in, sort of knowing what advice to, to you know, absorb and what advice to kind of not absorb and go, well, I'm going to trust my gut on this one. I, I know you're not crazy about this character action, but I'm going to stick with it anyway. Is that experience or is that something you've always had? No, I've never had it. I, I... <laughs> That's it's definitely, it definitely does come from experience, but I, I never, I'm always sort of really unsure and I'm always willing to listen to what people say. And usually then we talk it out and I, I think about it, but I, I'm never, I'm never sure up until the last minute. Caroline, what I liked about Is This Tomorrow are the characters are so, you know, they're so rich. They really stick with you, you know, as you're reading the book, uh, but I'm wondering as a writer, I'm not a writer, as Leanne can, uh, will attest to, but are, I mean, is it, is it kind of like family members? Do you like some a little, are you closer to some of your characters than others? I mean, and, and how does that work? Yep. Process? Yep. <laughs> yep. In fact, the more screwed up they are, the better I like them. Really? <laughs> yeah. They, they, well, there are some, there are a lot that I feel that I really feel for. In fact, the only character, I mean, I love them. I love them all, but some of them, I just, you know, they, there was one character, Charlie in pictures of you who just, he sort of blows a lot of opportunities. And I always felt sort of annoyed with him about that. But at the same time, I felt tremendous compassion for him because I always feel if you understand why somebody's doing something, then you can forgive that person a little more readily. So I, I do a lot of character work. And it would, but do you write like full character descriptions of them before you start pages or just, you just have a really clear picture of who they are, what they like, what they might eat for breakfast before you start? <laughs> yeah, I do more like, I do more, uh, it's what I call the Rolling Stones method of character development, which is... I figure out what they want, and then it's like the song, you can't always get what you want, but if you're lucky, you can get what you need, and give them what they need, and usually it's something they don't even realize that they need, and that's sort of how I figure out the characters. This is like a writing class right here, right here on the Satellite (laughs) Sisters Word Ride Festival. I'm taking notes. (laughs) Go ahead, anytime. Um, you know, you're super generous to other writers. You were very generous to me when my first book came out. And as I mentioned, your blog, um, Julie, Caroline's blog is, is Levittown. And Julie actually lived in Levittown. I did. I did. I think we, oh, I think it would be an excellent setting for your next novel. If I, if I can say so. Yes. 
But why, you know, why do you feel the need to be so nice? Frankly, I, that's a bad question, but you are, you're just super generous and you seem to be connecting all the time with other writers. It is a lonely profession. Is it, is it, is it just that you're lonely? (laughs) Well, I do it for two reasons. I do it because first of all, I've been helped tremendously in my own career. I mean, when, when pictures of you first came out, I got a tweet from rainy day books and he said, do you realize that Jody Picot was here last night? And I, I didn't know Jody then. I said, Jody Picot was here last night speaking in front of 500 people. And she started telling everybody about your book that they had to go out and they had to buy it. They had to read it. And I said, Oh my God, that's so, that's so kind. So I wrote her and I sent her flowers and I thanked her and she said, that's quite all right. I really loved it. And then two weeks later, I was obsessively Googling myself and I saw there was a review of the book in Newsweek and it was done by Jody Picot. (laughs) So it was like this amazing thing that she did for me. And there's been, you know, other writers who like Anne Lamont has helped me tremendously. And these are all like these big, huge names who they don't have to do anything and they chose to. And the other reason why I do it is I've also been hurt by other writers in like really startling, startling ways. When, when I became a New York Times bestseller, one woman who I thought was my friend published a piece the next day about who makes the New York Times bestseller list and why, and why some writers don't deserve it. And then in parentheses, she put, sorry, Caroline Levitt. <gasps> I was so shocked when I saw that. I thought, well, what do I do? Do I confront this person? and Or do I just walk away and say, well, I'm never going to be like that and and there's no way to confront somebody like that because do you really want to continue a friendship with somebody like that so I decided to take the higher ground and I said nothing about it and I walked away and I just determined you know what I'm just going to be the kind of writer who I'm going to help everybody because it's really hard to be a writer and every little thing you can do is like something that you can do and and I just also really believe in karma and I think that you know the more good you put out in the world the more good comes back to you Uh, you know absolutely oh that is a shocking story (laughs) (laughs) you know we were in radio we were radio people used to say horrible things about us too so we always tried to be really supportive of other women in radio because there just weren't that many you know it's this very small club and you know it's just kind of the same way I see this real community of women writers online and that's I, I think it's really helpful it's really Caroline, can I ask about your son does he um do you think he aspire is he interested in writing or does he like to read your writing he is my son actually wrote his first novel when he was eight years old which was called the movies of doom and we published it for him and put it online and sold it for a dollar and I got all my writer friends to give him blurbs <laughs> and reviews but no he lost interest my son is actually a theater kid he's a theater arts major at high school he's going out for auditions he's got leads in his plays he's he's gonna be he wants to be a Broadway star and I you know, I know I'm a biased mom, but I think he has it. I think he really has something exceptional. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah you have to be his biggest fan, don't you? Oh, yeah. I go to his performances and I cry. <laughs> He's amazing. <laughs> you know, I say, my son, I think our boys are the same age. Isn't your son a senior? Six, yeah. Six. I have a I have a 17 year old. He's a senior, and he is not a theater kid. So that he is taking you know theater in school this year. <laughs> and uh, so yeah. the other night he did a series. They did all their one acts or scenes, 
Mm-hmm. And I couldn't even recall like what his scene was. I and there was a whole mess of plays. I'm like, I don't even know what he is. And he <laughs> did. Um, it turns out they were doing one flew over the cuckoo's nest, oh. and no one was more surprised than me when he showed up as Nurse Ratchet. I was like, Oh my god! Oh my god! Do you have a clip of that? I know. I should have taken the movie because I was like, I'm pretty sure this is the only time he's ever going to be on stage. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's completely hilarious. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, he said, I wasn't horrible, was I? And I said, oh. you, you stayed in character. I- <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> you know, uh, last question. I know you get busy. You are literally doing a million events um, in support of Is This Tomorrow? If you want to find out about Caroline's speaking schedule, we're going to have a link to everything on SatelliteSisters.com or her own website is carolinelevitt.com. You can go there and see where she's speaking. But I also appreciate that you have a complete gimmick with your readings that you always wear cowboy boots. Oh, yes. That was because, you know, in all my failed novels, like, I never had a tour. Yeah. And I got to Algonquin, all of a sudden they said, well, we're sending you on tour. And I said, you're kidding, right? And they said, no, 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 we're sending you all across the country. It's like 20, 30 cities. And I panicked and I thought, what am I going to do? Yeah. How am I going to do this? I'm this shy writer how am I going to do this and a friend of mine said well you need a talisman so I started looking through eBay and I saw this pair of $10 red cowboy boots and I thought you know what a woman the woman who would wear those boots isn't afraid of anything she's the kind of woman who she's not only going to get out on a tour and, and tell stories she's going to have everybody eating in the palm of her hand and she's going to take them all out afterwards for drinks it'll be great so I got the boots and I put them on, and the first time I went on a tour and I wore them, I became, I consciously became that woman who wore red cowboy boots. And I started wearing them all the time. And the funny thing is, the more times I wore them, the boots took on a life of their own so that people would come to my readings wearing their own cowboy boots <laughs> and wanting to get photographs of their boots beside my boots. So I now have uh, six pairs of boots, and I, I wear them all the time. I wear them all the time. And they really help. They really have. They've turned me into a confident speaker. You know what? That is just fantastic because there are a lot of writers who wouldn't see that, you know, that wouldn't know, like, I need something to get me, uh, you know, all stoked up because it is hard to sort of walk into sometimes an empty room or oh. any room, even a full, full room's even harder, but an empty room's hard. So oh. I love the cowboy boots. I also learned via Twitter that you were wearing um, blue nail polish to yes. um that's my new thing. And it's actually, it's the only, I found the one kind that I'm not allergic to. And it's actually nail polish for dogs. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't have a scent, so I can wear it and it's it's fine. <laughs> Caroline Levitt, it has been a real pleasure to talk to you. We wish you all the best with your new novel, Is This Tomorrow? I'm sure it's going to be another hit um, because it really is a page turner. All information about Caroline will be at SatelliteSisters.com. Thank Thank you so much for joining us today on the Word Thank Festival. You. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was such a pleasure. And by the way, Leanne, I loved your book. I just want to say it again, and everybody should read it. Thank you. Oh. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right. Have a great tour. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm Leanne Dolan of the Satellite Sisters, and I invite you to spend your summer with Shakespeare. That's right, two opportunities to spend a little time with the bard in your bikini. 
First off, my book, Elizabeth the First Wife. It's just out now, and it's the story of Elizabeth Lancaster, a Shakespeare professor at Pasadena City College, who gets involved again with her ex-husband, F.X. Fahey, a famous movie actor who wants to stage an avant-garde production of A Midsummer Night's Dream at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. The two go off to Ashland, Oregon, and chaos, hilarity, romance ensues. Now you have your chance to win your own historic Shakespearean weekend in Ashland, Oregon. That's right. Thanks to our sponsors, the Ashland Springs Hotel, the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, and Prospect Park Books, we are giving away a fantastic prize, a weekend for two in Ashland, Oregon in August. You get three nights at the beautifully restored Ashland Springs Hotel. It's in the book, and it's in downtown Ashland. Perfect for dinner for two at their award-winning Lark's Restaurant and just a stone's throw from the beautiful theaters of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Well, you'll be treated to not one but two Shakespearean classics, A Midsummer Night's Dream and The Taming of the Shrew. And just in case you haven't read Elizabeth the First Wife by the time you end up in Ashland, I'm going to throw in a personally signed copy of my book. I know you're going to want to enter for your chance to experience Ashland through the eyes of Elizabeth Lancaster, but don't delay because the contest ends June 30th, this summer, June 30th, 2013. So go straight to SatelliteSisters.com and look for the banner ad at the top of the homepage. You'll see it. There's a big picture of Shakespeare on it, and it says, Click here to enter the Summer with Shakespeare sweepstakes. Thanks to the Ashland Springs Hotel, the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, and Prospect Park Books for making Summer with Shakespeare possible. We're back. We're the Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne. Julie's in Dallas. Literally, what a delight to talk to I, Caroline Levitt. She is amazing, Leanne. And the thing is, she her enthusiasm and her dedication and her genuine support of other writers is is really remarkable. You know, I just, I just don't, I think, you know, writing is such a singular thing that a lot of times there's not that sense of community or not that sense that you need to help other people who have helped you, you know, because you've been helped along the way. And obviously Caroline has that and she's doing it in so many different ways. I mean, but through her teaching, through her speaking, through her blog, I mean, you know, she really, obviously devotes a lot of time to supporting other writers. Yes, somebody you definitely wish good luck for because she's clearly worked hard. I mean, that was an incredible story of having like seven books that just didn't sell. And because, you know what, writing a novel is hard work. Like, you know, any giant task is hard work, but it's, it takes a long time. It's, it's not like, oh gosh. I, seven novels that must have been over, you know, over a decade of writing and not to get a lot of positive feedback. That's a long time. Yeah. That means somewhere inside you, you have something that you just absolutely have to write. And I just, I, I wish her all the best. This is a terrific book. Is this tomorrow? It's, a, it's a really kind of an eerie, creepy look at the fifties. Uh, I wasn't alive during the fifties. Well, so I was going to say, Leon, you don't remember the fifties. I was born in the fifties. I don't remember that, that decade very well, but I do remember hiding under my desk in elementary school because of the air raid drills. You know, our aunt, aunt and uncle had a bomb shelter uh, in New Haven, Connecticut, and we thought that was super cool that we could go underground and they were ready to live there indefinitely when the commie, commies bombed the United States. So, you know, it was, it really was one of the overarching themes of that period of time, you know, this sort of suspicion about people who were not 
you know, sort of exactly like you or somebody who had sort of a different background, you know, or, you know, that was that was really a big worry for most people. They really did threaten, you know, I think what are adults at the time, their way of life. So, and, and Caroline manages to capture that. And is there, is this tomorrow? There's just sort of an, just from page one, there's like a sense of paranoia and, and mistrust. Yeah. But her characters, you know, as we were talking about, I think that was the other thing that's really, you know, drives you to keep reading this book is that they're all so, you know, they're so complex. They, you know, they, you know, they do stupid things. You can say, you know, you can see it happening and you're like, oh, don't do that. Don't do that. You're going to regret that. <laughs> and they keep doing it. And, uh, so, Get back in the car. <laughs> I, know, I know. So we don't want to give it any way, but it's, that's why. So she, you know, she does, it's very involving this book. So, um, um, she does a really good job at that. And I think you should sign up for one of her courses, Lee, and not that you're not an outstanding novelist already, but how great to get more feedback from her. Wouldn't that be? Uh, uh, Julie, that's exactly what I was thinking of. I mean, I've used that online writing, an online writing class twice for both books, you know, just to sort of create this anonymous group of people that can give you feedback and it keeps you honest taking an online class. You have to turn stuff in, you have deadlines, you know, you're paying money. So you feel like you better, you know, show up to class and, and do the work. I took it the first time and then I surprised myself kind of the set with the second book. I thought, you know what, I'm going to sign up again. And I just, I need that sense of discipline and that feedback. And that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, I'm just going to totally check her classes out for the fall. Cause I may, that would be the time when I'd be starting my next book. And I would just like to, uh, like to sort of get her opinion because, She's just a terrific writer and obviously a really nice person. And I and I think that's a, that's an unusual combination. Yeah. Not more than a terrific uh, uh, writer and a nice person too, Lee. Oh, thank you. But you know, you know what I mean. I guess yeah. it was very unexpected. Uh, her, you know, her level of support. Yeah, she does certainly work really, really hard. She that's, really does. That's the other thing that comes through. Right. Uh, it's she, a reminder how many people say to me, "Where do you find the time to write?" And then you hear a writer's story like that. You're like, you don't find the time. You make it. You know, it is what you do. You sit down. You're disciplined about it. It doesn't just show up occasionally when the muse strikes. So. Um, yeah, fantastic. She's in the right occupation, Leanne, because obviously she uh, she derives great joy from that, and she is giving giving us you know a great book to read. So uh, she's doing the right thing, as far as I can tell. Caroline Levitt is the author's name. For more information, you can go to satellitesisters dot com. A reminder too: uh, until the end of June, you can enter the Summer with Shakespeare sweepstakes. Uh, brought to you by Elizabeth the First Wife, the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, the Ashland. Springs Hotel and my publisher, Prospect Park Books. All that information is at SatelliteSisters.com. Lots more author interviews on the way. Thanks for joining us today. Great being with you, Jewel. Great, Leanne. All right, don't forget, call your satellite sister. <laughs>